Thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Cello. Cello, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> on, today, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the ever-evasive limiter and how to be transparent with it, oh. how to get a little crunchy with it, how to get a little dirty with it. Ooh. So, What an episode. <laughs> Sam started to break out into a little bit of a sweat over there. He's got a little, <laughs> little fan. If you can hear the hear the papers rustling on his end, <laughs> one of those little hallelujah sweats. Hallelujah. Anyway, I got one of those in a previous episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be chatting a bit about limiters and uh, how they work. Uh, a little bit of a brief history and uh, how we use them. And then some kind of like important tidbits, not necessarily tips, but just like a, a few things that you should know. Yes. And uh, I think it'll be a good episode. Yeah, I'm pumped. Pulped. What say you, bud? Well, I'm down to knock it out of the park, if that's what you're asking. Oh, man. I'm down to knock it out of the park as well. Excellent. So. Matt. Why don't you give us a little, uh, you know, like a little bit of a brief history on, uh, uh, yeah. on what a limiter is, Working on a why it's important, history. Uh, you know, like a little, a little bit of background on uh, on what it is. Excellent. And, uh, you know, maybe a little monologue here, maybe mm. a little monologue mm. there. Mm. Mm. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Uh, working on that? Working on a little monologue? <laughs> All right. <laughs> here we go, my friends. This is my brief history of limiters by Sam Moses. So, a limiter is, in my opinion, a compressor. Some may disagree, but a limiter is just a compressor with a higher ratio. Normally, I would say most people consider a 20 to 1 ratio being the start of limiting. And a limiter basically, surprise, surprise limits the peaks of a louder signal by using attenuation. It reduces dynamic range, and it normally increases perceived loudness, even though we are removing bits of audio. Isn't that interesting? You may not have known that when you use a limiter, you are removing audio, but increasing other parts of the audio. We'll get into that later. So, limiters are used all over, You may not know this, from phones to radio to live sound to speakers. Your speakers most likely have a built-in limiter to limit the amount of information coming out so you don't explode your speakers. (laughs) Basically, for me, a limiter's goal is to mainly keep unwanted distortion out and raise the level while making the playback more even and enjoyable. That's my paper on the history of limiting. <laughs> did you know that uh, that your ears have a natural compression to them? I actually did know that, but if you want to talk about that, please do. I mean, I'm no like audiologist or whatever it's called, but it's uh, it's pretty much the importance of why an ear break is necessary. Uh, an occasional ear break here and there, and it's eventually you get to a point where you like notice strain a little bit, or um, uh, it's like newer guys and even guys who haven't who have been around uh, the the block a while. You'll uh, you'll you'll get to a point with a little bit more of a uh, let's call it like a little bit of a difficult project, <laughs> and you'll be noticing that you're kind of chasing your tail. And you go and you take a little ear break, you go make some coffee, some tea, whatever have you, and you come back and you're like, oh, wait, this is what's wrong. And it's not necessarily that you couldn't figure it out in that moment, but it's that you couldn't hear it. Right. And your ear like naturally will protect itself, and it has like a little bit of a built-in compression. It's not necessarily a limiter, because, I mean, <laughs> you can full-on blow your ears. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. So, Well, you oh, could well. full-on blow out your ears like if you use a limiter too hard on a mix or master or source it distorts and breaks up and that's yeah, what have you ever had it does. no i've never have blown near drum thank god no have you ever heard oh. like like an audible like you listen to music too loud and like your ear kind of starts to crackle yes yeah 
Oh, I've yeah. always wondered if that was just me. No. I've, I've never asked anybody that. I've had that happen. Where it yeah. feels sometimes when I'm doing construction and I I usually wear my earplugs, but sometimes when I forget when I start and I hit a hammer, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> my ears go <laughs> like that. Yeah. Sorry to listeners for that sound that just came out of my mouth. But um, it, was, it was like cutting some like hardy board siding for my house. Yeah. And I was just like, holy crap, that is a very uncomfortable sound. Yeah. And uh, it's weird because after a while, like, you kind of get used to it. Right. And you have that ringing and everything. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what's that from or, like, how that works. But uh, it's like the second time that saw turns on, it's not quite as loud and as jarring as the first time. Right. And, yeah, it's just kind of... Interesting that the the body does it. I don't know if it's to protect itself or or what. I'm sure it's a protection mechanism. Yeah, I think the ringing. Someone who's listening probably knows the answer. Obviously, you could look it up. But I thought I had read um, the ringing comes from like hair fibers or something vibrating uh, excessively. To uh, they're either damaged. It's either they're damaged or they're alerting you that you are damaging your ears potentially someone who's listening please correct us and dm us when you listen to this episode <laughs> to tell have us have you the ever science. like looked though i know we're like this is not at all about <laughs> limiting have you ever looked how the ear works yeah it's crazy it's like you have this drum this concave drum at the back of your ear and that essentially pushes this bizarre looking elbow which shakes this little uh, it's like a nautilus-looking mechanism that is full of fluid and little hairs. Mm-hmm. And how that fluid brushes up against and moves the hairs then sends a chemical signal to your brain. <laughs> like, this stuff should not work. Right. I mean, it's a lot like how the eyes work, like, it's like even though whatever you're seeing, what you're like, you're seeing what you're seeing. It's still a chemical. Like whatever you're seeing in front of you is a chemical signal, like running through your optic nerve mm-hmm. and going into your brain. Yeah. It's a, it's it's. I remember like learning about this in uh, some like developmental psychology classes in college, and just being like, so how do I know that the blue that you're looking at is the blue that I'm looking at? Right. Because you could just see yellow and think that it's blue the whole time. And so you just call it the color that I call it. Right. So the mere fact that we agree on anything is... <laughs> it's magical. It's magical. Okay, so back yes. to limiting. Yeah. <laughs> the human body is insane. <laughs> it is. And so We know is so little about how like the brain works and what it does. Right. It is... Literally mind blowing. Super similar to how most people don't know how limiters work. <laughs> yeah, why don't uh, why don't you get into that? Why don't you get into a little bit of uh, what is a limiter doing? Okay, cool. So this is one one person's opinion on using limiters. Um, I love limiters. I've loved limiters since day one of audio because I found that they were almost like cheating. When I first started audio, I watched some guys use limiters on everything, basically. I don't know if they knew what they were doing, but they made records uh, in the hip-hop world that I enjoyed and that were, in my opinion, better than what I was making. Hmm. And limiters were heavily used back then. This Back then, this was, I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Uh, L1, L2 waves limiter. Super popular limiter has an incredible sound. Um, to me, those limiters make things more mid and top forward perceived loudness. I think it removes bottom end. I've talked about my uh, trick, which is if a source or a mix is muddy or tubby or too flabby, an L1 or L2 taking off a dB or two can clean that thing up usually. Um, and add some glue if an EQ doesn't seem to be working. Um, but basically, that segues into what, in my opinion, what limiters do is it is removing information, frequency, and 
bringing up other frequencies to increase the loudness and reduce dynamic range, the transients, the peaks, the things that stick out. And um, an L1 and an L2 to me um, is removing some of the mid and low end and increasing to make room for the other audio to be louder. And a lot of limiters remove low end because it takes up the most voltage, which we've mentioned, I think, before on the podcast. But refresher, low end takes up the most headroom in our finite, uh, limited amount of headroom that we all have to play with. Um, And we all have to deal with a 0.0 ceiling output. And um, side note, that's why there's not a loudness war, because we all play it by the same rules. Um, but yeah, the limiters basically are removing information to increase other information and make room for it. So if you remove some low end, you can increase mid range and top end perceived loudness more, um, and give the song a more perceived loudness to the listener, um, while making, you know, removing some of the low end. So to me, limiters are um, a tool. They all sound different. Um, you could go through every limiter plugin you own, and they will all probably remove something different. What they remove is called the delta, D-E-L-T-A, delta. Um, and that's basically if you have like the fab filter or some other limiters, you can click on the Delta. It's a headphone icon, I think on the fab filter and listen to what it's removing um, or attenuating. And that can be very helpful in choosing uh, the type of limiter you want to use. If you can actually hear what it's attenuating or removing. So I love limiters. Um, I like to limit and then EQ after. I don't necessarily use limiters um, to get volume. I use EQ to get volume, which we've talked about. Uh, A loud mix or master is really only loud if it is uh, balanced well. And then getting things really loud to me is very easy once you have a nice balance. Um, So limiters I use for color shaping, uh, tone, and glue and then I always use currently the last couple of years has been fab filter um, pro l2 because it has incredible uh, inner sample peak true peak limiting and that is something that uh, most people don't even know what that means and mm, to not try and get too technical with it Basically, you can have uh, peaks in between your samples, and these peaks can slip by a limiter and cause distortion um, once it leaves the DAW, especially once it, um, if you read on Spotify or different platforms, um, the encoding that happens can increase the true peak of your song during the compression, not audio compression, but data compression and encoding, um, and that can cause clipping. And so uh, older limiters are not really geared towards true peak limiting or inner sample peak limiting. They also don't really oversample. So newer limiters like the Fab Filter is an excellent thing just to have on your final bus, uh, especially in mastering. Even if you're not really using it for limiting, just having it on there to catch any of the inner sample peaks will stop your music from distorting on a lot of different speakers and platforms. And that's one of the things where um, a lot of people don't understand that when you hear something distort on an iPhone or smaller speakers, a lot of the times it's not, everybody focuses on like, oh, it's a frequency buildup. And while it may be a little bit of that, a lot of it has to do with you're actually clipping your converter Um, because it's the sound of a converter clipping, a speaker clipping, because it's getting too much information. So if there is a frequency buildup, that could cause a speaker to be essentially pushing air improperly. But a lot of the times, it's actually just a song in the encoding process of being converted from 
basically in a 10 cent converter in your phone or earbuds, um, it's clipping that converter. Like you would clip a nice mastering converter, that sounds good. When you have a 10 cent converter and you're clipping it, that sounds crappy. So you get distortion. And the frequency buildups do not help that clipping. It'll just clip on those buildups. So that is something people don't understand a lot of the times and it took me a lot of, a lot of years to learn that. Um, but that is kind of my broad overview on limiting and what I think it does and how, um, how it kind of functions in real, real world application. So Matt, monologue one, done. <laughs> what do you think? Share your thoughts. I did think it was a monologue. <laughs> um, so I don't want to. I don't want to glance over what uh, intersample peaks are. Oh, great! Um, Talk about them because <clears throat> because they can cause a bunch of headache down the road. It's true. Um, many of you, uh, when you if you started out within the last, I don't know, ten or fifteen years, you might have uh, figured that out through. Um, Call it like a, a CD manufacturing plant sending back a master saying, no, this won't work because there are certain, uh, what's it, like a white book or a red book, whatever red standard. Book standard. And uh, I think it's like you can have two over the course of the whole album or something like that. Um, so you could have you could have run into that. Uh, call it like mastered for iTunes. Uh for those of you older guys, now it's now it's whatever the hell it is. ADM. Which is funny because like as far as like psychology goes, no one does anyone refer to mastered for iTunes as whatever it is now? ADM, Apple Digital Masters. I've never heard anybody <laughs> refer to it as that. And no one's really I I've seen one person change it on their website and everyone still has mastered for iTunes still up. I changed it on my website. Like, you changed it on yours? The day it happened, yeah. Oh, I, I'm <laughs> really punches Matt. a hole in my story. Doesn't it, Sam? <laughs> There's two people now. Watch out. Yeah. Um, you know how many people have asked me for ADM? No one. None. <laughs> Everyone has, asked me. For has anyone for asked you for Apple for, or yeah, Apple? <laughs> Apple <laughs> Mastered for iTunes? for iTunes? Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, so there goes to my point right. is like the psychology of there. It's like there's no point in changing it because you've already created the branding. You've already created the branding so well. Um, but I mean, they were kind of dismantling uh, certain parts, and so I get it. You had to you had to get rid of certain things. Um, but yeah, they came out with their whole little uh, suite of tools that I believe some of them came free with Logic. Yeah. Um, to where essentially you can monitor a whole song and you can see if you have any ISP and uh if ISP is inner uh, sample peaks. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you're getting any red lights flashing and and if so, how many and how much over are these peaks? Um so and then it kinda goes into it's like how do you you have like like the balance, which it can be a little BS about how to manage these things, um, because if a limiter is only really checking out like the samples, then it's like how are we going to get to like the stuff that's like intra samples? So um, that's where something like the FabFilter Pro Two um, comes in and is really handy, just because where another limiter may miss some ISP. All you got to do is flip on that uh, true peak limiting button. And I, there is a little bit, like depending on how hard you're hitting the limiter, there is a little bit of an audible change that happens with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, well, do I want to turn the output down to uh, to compensate so I don't have to turn that little green light on? Or do I just kind of leave it the way it is and it's like... I feel like a lot of mastering is just like a really quick like mental like A, B, like what mm -hmm. am I going to do? And uh, yeah, nine times out of ten, and I'd say ten times out of ten, that that green light is just always on uh, for me just because like chasing your tail after a while. 
trying to chase stuff down and then turning something down on the output, and then you're going to have a client call you back and be like, how come this is at minus 0.8 when uh, the person I shot you out against is at 0.0? And then you got to go explain ISP and then how you couldn't do it. And it's like, just turn the green light on. Right. It's not, wor- it's not <laughs> worth the care. headache. Yeah, it's not worth the headache. And you had to go, oh, I went through all this oversampling and stuff like that. We should probably get into oversampling. Mm. Um, but I don't want to glance over just how important ISP is. And then as we get into uh, more into streaming and whatnot and through the encoding process, um, uh, certain uh, platforms are saying the ceiling output and whatnot of what they're recommending and what they want and... Uh, I mean, I guess we can get into if we believe that and if, <laughs> and if we're listening to that or not. Um, I believe they're all around uh, minus one. But uh, yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, just, I, I, once again, I just didn't want to glance over that just because that can cause a lot of, uh, that can cause a lot of people's, uh, a lot of people headaches. Um, so as for a limiter, um, you can, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more also about what it is, in fact, removing. Great. And I think there are some limiters out there. I think the DMG Limitless I saw, I haven't played with it yet, um, but I think I saw that much like, say, with the FabFilter Pro 2, which I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast uh, are familiar with either the Pro-L or the Pro-L2. I feel like it's a general industry standard as far as a mastering limiter is concerned. Um, it literally has everything you need, um, especially like one of the, I think one of the strongest things that has nothing to do with limiting is where you're landing as far as level. Mm-hmm. And you can meter in RMS, you can meter in LUFs, and then to varying degrees of that. Um so uh, much like how the Pro-L2 and the Pro-L have their little styles, or I call it like the attitudes of the limiter. So like you have transparent, and it's just going to take off the top little like like little S's and uh, like little tiny uh, blurbs that you wouldn't have heard. But then you go down into like, say like the safe mode where it's like the whole darn thing's just kind of like going up into it. And you're hearing like whenever you switch over to, as Sam mentioned earlier, uh if you listen to the delta or the information that's been removed, um, you can hear that it's like, rrr, 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 <laughs> like stuff that's going over the line. But then you get into punchy, and it's uh, you're removing a little bit of a little bit of low end in a certain frequency range, and then it's a. Uh, I think it's trying to preserve a lot of like the low end kick information, uh, a lot of the snare, a lot of the the hooting and hollering part of it. <laughs> Um, and then uh, as you get into modern, it's kind of interesting because it actually, modern, I've, I'm finding it'll scoop more above uh, above the low end. So call it like uh, mids to high mids mm-hmm. and highs is what it'll scoop. And it seems like modern's really in the business of uh, preserving low end. And uh, so it's so, so much like that, I've been seeing the the DMG Limitless, and don't quote me on that, I can't remember if that's the company, but they, uh, you can actually tune the limiter as to what you are removing, much like uh, like a multiband. And so it's like, yeah, I, I, I want to leave the low end alone. I'm really happy with the low end, but we like the, the top end's a little bit tinny or tinsy or whatever it is, so let's, uh, let's check at that and let's remove information from here. So I'll have to play with that. I heard it's I heard it's really uh, really darn powerful. Um, so what else do we want to talk about about limiters? I mean, something else I think that well, I know we haven't spoken on this in the last two and a half or three years is uh, is dither, mm. which is not really a limiter talk. It's more of a uh, a sample rate conversion talk. Mm-hmm. But there are some limiters that have it. And uh, I know that on the ozone package for uh, isotope, there, what is it? Yeah, ozone. Yeah, ozone's the, the package and isotope's company. Um, they, have a dim, they have a dither function. There are a few standalone dither plugins. And then on uh, the Pro-L and the Pro-L2, I believe there's some dither functions. Um, those are really just there that... 
if you're going to be, and I should probably research this a little bit better so I'm a little bit more educated in terms of speaking about it, but that's if, say, that you're receiving a project at uh, 44124 and you're going to deliver a 44124 and a 44116, mm-hmm. um, the dither will technically be off for the 44124 because remember you received a 44124 so printing the native resolution you do not need any dither however if you're going to sample rate convert in do, or do any src in the box uh from your daw uh to that 44116 you're going to want to flip on that dither uh to 16 bits which i believe it also has like a little cd thing next to it um and essentially what that's going to do is it's going to put um, some very, very quiet, uh, almost indiscernible, indiscernible, I don't know, there noise you go. You got it. in the background. Yeah. And essentially what happens whenever you sample rate convert down to a lower, and uh, in, in, in you're assigning a lower bit rate, um, some noise and some artifacts can start to become apparent. Well, that dither is some little tiny indiscernible noise that helps to mask any sound. And there are some really, really cool examples of this on YouTube. Just look up uh, like just videos on like audio dither and audio dither examples. Um, it's very cool how it just kind of masks any of that low end just uh let, let's just for the sake of it call it white noise it's not white noise but uh, we have a lot of people who listen to this who are probably very specific about what you call everything mm-hmm. so uh i'm trying to not I'm, I'm i'm trying to be very cautious about the words that i use and to not uh trigger anyone i so. think you honestly just explained dither almost exactly how i would and you explained it really well well i appreciate it yeah. So, dither is dither is very important. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you have like a funky like as a as a mastering engineer, you like you you have this thing that in my mind I always call the ought the o u g h t or o u g t like the things that you ought to do. And it's like, this is the correct way to do it, and this is what I ought to do. Um, but if you have a track that's like a grungy rock thing that uh, has like a tape hiss in the background on purpose and has like a bunch of other noise, do you really need to put dither on that? You will never hear the noise over like a... Like audible noise that is there on purpose mm-hmm. um so but ought you use dither sure and uh and i would recommend that you do um but it's not loud enough like it would be something that like maybe you'd hear on a fade out or a fade in or if there's like a drop out in the middle of the song or something like that um so don't think of it as is like crazy crazy noise right um and with that, I guess, uh, I mean, if you wanted to, you can get into like auto blanking and if it's like important and, and whatnot. But I think I actually have some future episodes written down that I was writing down as you were talking. And uh, this sounds, this is probably the most non-sexy episode I think we've ever <laughs> talked about. But DDP is an episode that I think I want to do. Um, because I've had some interesting... Uh, happenings in 2020 with triumph and then i went to what is it sonoris and then i went to hoffa and then triumph came back online and so i feel like this might be the year for a ddp episode because i've kind of made my rounds and i was doing like a stint with with wave lab and whatnot and so and i might still do a stint with wave lab so a ddp episode will need to happen and it's kind of like as you're exporting albums and whatnot um, that's really where I'm seeing a lot of like auto blanking, and so we might talk about that then. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's uh, 
I think the last thing I want to talk about in my little monologue Great. is, uh, and I'm keeping an eye on the clock, Sam, is I want to talk about uh, the importance of when you use a limiter, um, A being against like, like before and after you limit. Um, so, and if you have the option to, I mean, every limiter should have the option essentially like you kind of like match like before limiting and after limiting and level matching is so damn important <laughs> in, in what we do that there are specific plugins dedicated to level matching. Um, so let's see. I know with the Pro L2, there's several ways to do it. I know you can do like command or it's control or maybe option and uh, you essentially like grab the gain and you put it up, well, the output is also going to turn down by the same amount. So you can kind of like hear the amount that you're losing and and whatnot and like any crunch that you might have. They also have like a one-to-one feature that they have along with listening to the delta and everything. Something that I do is I will choose my style. Mm-hmm. Like if, if let's say I just want to do transparent or say I want to do modern, um, I'll listen to the delta while choosing my styles to see what's going to get taken away and what's going to be left. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as as far as like a being goes, I know on ozone on the I'm kind of doing this from memory. I should probably pull up an image of it. But on the maximizer, there is a little ear. I believe it's still an ear. Let me pull it up. Ozone maximizer. Thanks, Miss Machevsky in kindergarten for <laughs> me having to spell things out. <laughs> By the way, they sound okay. So anyway, on ozone, um, yeah. So on the on the very very like bottom right. Um, now, oh cool. Now it's called gain match, but it used to be a little tiny ear. Uh, you essentially would select gain match, and then you would bypass and unbypass it to ascend to null out any uh, volume th- uh, disc discrepancies and whatnot and like say if you add 7 db it's like well i'm obviously going to pick the one that's louder Mm. just because that's how humans work and we're kind of i wonder like why we're wired that way it's it's such a weird thing that i want to think this is better because it's louder it's like screw the whole thing that it's louder why do we think it's better because it's louder i have a Um, i've read about that yeah I, i do you have a theory i have the science of theory, it is that our brain is naturally drawn to things that basically spike our um, fight or flight system. And when we hear something that's louder, our brain, our interpretation that we like it is actually our brain being scared of it is what's happening. And so we pay attention to it and we're drawn to it because it's a survival thing where we are paying attention to it better because we're our brain is actually trying to interpret it as a threat or not. So <clears throat> that's that is the reasoning. I've studied that quite a bit and that is the best of all my reading of papers and things. The nice surroundings in a nutshell, super simplified is the brain picks out louder things because it's a survival thing where we're trying to determine is it's not, is it better or not? It's, is it scaring us or not, basically? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you you pay attention to it, and then you really, it's you don't like it more. Your brain just tells you, your brain tells you we like it more, but it's more so your brain is saying, we're paying attention to this more because it could be a threat, because it's standing out over the other things. And so it's the paying attention to it more part. Yes, that makes us that think we like it more. Leads it to well, we're listening to something in general that is generally attractive. Correct. Yep. And so then, by paying attention to whatever that stimulus, in this case, music is, yes, you're paying attention to something that you like more, right? Because it's louder. Very yep. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me that, is what I've what I've my years of yeah. reading the last few years about that because it's yeah. fascinating. So that's. That's the importance of a being, yeah, and making sure that you're essentially ridding out that let's call it a pre-programmed bias 
mm-hmm. that we have ingrained in in ourselves. Yeah. So I highly recommend a being things and and level matching. Real quick, and it's not on the agenda, Sam, but do you want to talk about the importance of stacking limiters and mastering? Sure. That we would have totally missed that one. <laughs> I love stacking limiters. Yeah. Um, I will stack a limiter. I mean, the, the, quick, the quick and dirty uh, tip is don't take, say, 3 dB off with one limiter because um, most, likely, most likely you'll introduce pumping or distortion. Um, essentially gain stage your limiters through your chain or stack them uh, even if you did like an L, L1 taking off a dB and then you take a dB off that, then you take a dB off that, you've attenuated 3 dB or reduced 3 dB, but because you're doing it in small bits, you're probably not being as destructive, um, so you're not limiting the distortion, you're probably limiting still a clean signal in theory. So that's like the super quick and dirty way Um if you need extra loudness, you can stack limiters. Sometimes you can create really cool tones too by stacking limiters or different types of limiters, an L1 to a mm. fab filter to an X, you know, Brainworks XL or something. They all introduce different characters. Um, and what I've what I was taught and what I think is a, a terrific exercise is to EQ via limiting. Um, and one of the ways to do that is by stacking limiters. You can pay attention. Is this limiter removing top end? Okay, cool. And this one kind of rolls off top end, so now it sounds more bassy. If you stack limiters up in different combinations, only taking off a dB or so, um, you can create a much louder sounding source or master. But also mm-hmm. you can get, to me personally, that's a limiting or stacking limiters out of the box for me is a huge color like change um, that can be it can be very destructive if you don't know how to listen um, and that's probably something within this this topic of limiting but all of audio if you do not know how to listen and do quick comparative is this not even better or different what is this doing um, if you don't have an ear that's trained to do that you need to learn how to do that so you can then actually make a good judgment or take a mental note quickly of, okay, when I put the L1 in front of the L2 or the L2 in front of the L1, what happens? One gets scooped, one gets pushed. So then you can like log that into your mental tool belt as a, as a troubleshooting if you in, encounter a source or a mix that you're mastering. You can have that little thing to try out if the song needs it. But yeah, I... I'm not against stacking limiters. I know a lot of guys do stack limiters. Um, I like to spread. I more so stack limiters throughout the, the gain staging. Um, so I might I usually like limit, then EQ, and then I might limit again, then EQ, depending on what pieces of gear I'm hitting or plugins. Um, because I like to, I don't know, I like to make up, not always make up what I feel like the limiter's taking away, but sometimes I like to even blow up what it's enhancing even more so in an EQ. Um, that is part of my sound, is limiting first, then EQ. A lot of guys don't do that, or gals. Um, but I'm not the first person to do that either. I don't really know a lot of mastering guys who do that, but it definitely creates a... Um, a unique sound if you know what you're doing. And um, I think the other thing I'd, I'd like to mention is like, I think a lot of people we've projected onto mastering people that we like limit a ton. Um, I get that kind of question of like, how much are you taking off? Or a lot of forums I've been in, there'll be people saying like they take off six or eight dB with a limiter. And then they Yikes. wonder why it's like distorting or like kind of crapping out. Um, and it's because they're abusing it, <laughs> like taking off 6 dB. Um, and so like f- when I use limiters, I mean, to get something really loud, I'm probably only taking off at max 2 to 3 dB. Like that is the amount between limiting compression throughout the whole chain. That's all I have and to do. Three is like if you have a really dynamic yeah, source that can, that I, that would I can be take like, it. 
super dynamic and like we are f- so far away from the commercial reference they want. Like it and it's like maybe like you're barely take like and if you're and if you're uh kind of putting 3 in, what are you taking off typically? If I'm trying to take off 3dB total? No, are is that what you were saying is that you would like the max you'll take off is 3? Oh, I'm saying the max I'll take off is like 3 in the chain. So like Yeah. My okay, limiters yeah. are like taking off maybe a dB throughout my yeah. chain. That's yeah, I should explain that correctly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my signal flow, and that's where a lot of people are like, "No way, I don't understand." Until you understand that EQ is really everything, tonal balance is everything. Mm-hmm. You will not make loud full records. Like it's incredible. Once. I started listening in a proper room and having monitors that have a full frequency. And then over the years, and it's very normal not to understand this until you've done a lot of records um, and you finally know how to listen. But once I realized that if you can get the EQ balance going correctly, you only need to take off a couple dB to get to your final super loud master if that's what the client wants which most do in the genres I work in but that's where like uh, it's just so interesting because I'll get so many people be like how'd you get so loud it's like well EQ'd mainly you know once or twice and took off a DB here and there and then that was done (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they but we interpret when you have a correct EQ balance it punches harder it's wider it's perceived louder it's doing all these things people have projected onto limiters and thinking limiters do this, but limiters are just part of the puzzle. Like they're not the solution. Limiters to me are just like enhancers. They like put mm-hmm. a magnifying glass on what's great about it, or they'll put a magnifying glass about what's terrible about it. It's just bringing up everything. Um, and if you have a great EQ balance, it's just going to enhance that even more and make it sound larger than life. And until you re- understand that or understand that EQ balance is, to me, always number one, at least in mastering, um, it's what I grab first, um, you're going to have a hard time getting limiters to cooperate with you. Um, so yeah, so stacking limiters, all for it. Just kind of know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, that's completely fine. Spend some time stacking them and see what you like. And then when you discover a cool stacking limiter chain, DM me. Let me know what you're doing so I can play with it. Uh, so yeah, that's my opinion on stacking limiters. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, do you stack and, limiters? Uh, um, not as much anymore. Yeah. I'm normally... My chain has changed so dang much. And one 2020 will eventually do a gear episode. Um like not even talking about gear per se, like outboard, uh, just like inboard plugins and whatnot. I mean, r- right now my mindset is okay. I'm going to start in the box, and anything that might sound weird to me, just because I hear so much music, what do I want to change so that we're going to hit the gear appropriately? And I like right now it's an in like my in the box chain is so small. It's, uh, I come in and then there's an instance of isotope with a, like an EQ that's a mid side EQ. And if anything needs corrected, like there's like a bunch of like low end on the sides and it's not a song that it needs it or, Hey, this is going onto vinyl and it does not like, that's not going to print well or cut well. Um, I'll remove that. And also you can just get like a lot more clarity in the whole shebang if you, in general, just kind of like remove some of the low end from the sides and uh, up to like a certain amount. And so, it, but it's, it's all about feeling it out. So there's like an instance of ozone with uh, like an MSEQ. And then I really like that master rebalance. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like if the vocalist mixed things, then guess what? The vocal is going to be incredibly far forward. And so we might need this to sit back, but we'll bring it back out, say, with like, uh, the massive passive or the MEA two or through some other fun, uh, some fun avenue. But we're going to kind of set it back for now because we don't want it to hit the gear this hot and forward. Because guess what's going to happen with the limiter? Uh, and then I'll go into like a stereo EQ, 
And it's just all under like one thing. And it's like if anything needs adjusted, it's normally like one little tiny bell, if anything. Um, and then I think I go to, uh, I think I go to like an overall like broad stereo EQ, like either that um, that Scarlet by Acoustica, or I've been playing with that Amec, that two hundred. Uh, what's his name? Connor Salamore, I think his name is. He's got a mastering studio in Canada. He was telling me about this, and I'm like, man, I hate you now. <laughs> I got to spend three hundred dollars on this thing. And then, in all honesty, after that, I'll just like hop out of the box, or I might go to that that BXXL2 if like the signal's kind of hot. And uh, that is like the ultimate like rebalancing limiter, and I don't even use it as a limiter. Um, and then I'll then I'll hop out. So it's like barely anything if if I ever use anything. And then all that I do is like through the box, and so it's like there's barely any stacking that's going on. If there's any stacking, it's normally me hitting my converter, which is my last point, is using a converter as a limiter, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially the loudest you can hit a converter from digital is like zero point zero dBSF or as yeah dB decibels full scale FS. And uh, then there's not really a limit on how hard analog you can hit it. Just it's how bad things are going to sound as you hit it and then how your converter reacts to it. Um, There's a bunch of headroom and there's a bunch more headroom above digital zero where you can go uh, with some analog gear. And it just creates a whole argument for uh, hopping out of the box and then uh, going back in, the loudest you're going to be able to print, it's not that things are going to be necessarily turned down, but it's that they're going to be squashed up into uh, that 0.0 decibels full scale, once again, as it goes back in. And then how your converter handles and manages uh, that smoosh that it does. And uh, sometimes it's advantageous and sometimes... It's transparent, and sometimes it's a little bit grungy, and you need to get a little bit creative uh, in order if you have some distortion or if you have uh, some other distracting elements going on. So if I do anything as far as stacking is concerned, it's I'll use my converter as a limiter, and you and I have had countless conversations, Sam, about... It's like, oh man, I hate how like this thing's like it's kind of loud. It's like, well, Matt, you're using it for a reason that it wasn't made to be used. And I'm like, yeah, but I want it this way. And then you're like, well, buy a limiter. And then hit the limiter before you do that. Exactly. Um, so that that's just fun. It should also be noted that like while a digital limiter is pretty much a brick wall limiter to a degree, uh, an analog limiter is not necessarily always that. So, uh, like the there's a limiter on my Masilik MPL two, and while I can crank it down uh, to be that brick wall limiter, uh, in general, it's just a really high ratio uh, compressor. So um, that that should also be noted that analog limiters are not always limiters. Um, but yeah, so it's like I'll hit the converter and then I'll come out. And then the only limiting I really do in the box uh, for level is typically from song to song just so that I can balance the album out. Mm-hmm. And uh, besides that, I'm, I'm not really taking off too darn much. Um, if I do need to get the level up in the box, and I have my eye on time, Sam. It's all right. If I do need to get the level up in the box and I want to stack a limiter... Let me just make a quick case for stacking limiters. Mm-hmm. And I believe I said this in a previous episode. Um, you're going to get a lot further by stacking three limiters at taking off one dB each, getting creative with the attack and release, as opposed to taking off three dB with one limiter. And I believe it comes down 100% to the release time because I'm going to have a much quicker release three times at 1 dB than I am going to have at one time at 3 dB. Mm. So that's uh, 
let's call that your your little tidbit because 3db is never going to recover as quickly and it's not even release time it's just the amount of time it takes to recover yeah. that signal before it gets sucked up again by the limiter uh it's never 3db is never going to recover in general like let's just kind of put all the possibilities out there i guess uh it's never going to recover as fast as 1 dB three times. Right. So um, that, that's, that's kind of where I stand as far as, uh, as far as stacking limiters go and then my argument for stacking limiters. Um, there's a handful of things we uh, kind of did not get to, um, but uh, oh, it might be for another episode. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're about out of time. Limiters part one. Yeah, limiters, limiters part one. Next time... Uh, might want to get into a little more into output levels and yeah. uh, Sam's favorite of clipping. So we'll uh, <laughs> yes. we'll see. Maybe perhaps perhaps a future episode. Yeah, so. it's great. Anywho, Sam, do you have anything else? I feel great. That was a great uh, introduction, history, and uh, real life application. Yeah, I think so. Of limiters, I have uh, I have next to no complaints. Great. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> anywho. Yeah. So, there is more than likely a sweet beat queued up in the background right now. Curated, loved, and put out by the one and only Sam Moses. That can be found at beesabeats.com. If you'd like to buy it, there's Sam's. He would love to sell them to you. Um, <laughs> we have merch on the website. I managed to fit it all in the new nursery closet. Um, there's actually not that much that I needed to fit, but I actually like the MOQ, the uh, the minimum order quantity for socks was kind of high, so I did get a bunch of socks. So we'll see around uh, in in fall time. We might do a little bit of a heavy push on mm-hmm. that. Um, the uh, buy a poor white kid a beer fund with through socks might come around. So who knows? Um, so yeah, we have socks, we have mugs, we have resting glasses, which are pretty dope, and. Uh, yeah, we'd love for you to check that out at theattackandreleaseshow.com. Um, and uh, last but not leastly, uh, if you like what you heard, please, uh, please, please, please do us a favor. Leave us a comment. Uh, if you have a question, feel free to shoot us an email. Um, likes and stars on iTunes or wherever you're listening are also always appreciated. Um, that's kind of how we go up in the rankings, and uh, we would greatly appreciate that. I mean, as of right now, we're at like 121 thousand downloads and we could not uh, be more grateful so thank you whoever you are and all of you for listening Mm -hmm. so with that said morning afternoon evening whatever you're having have a darn good one sam matt make this outro fucking loud (laughs) (laughs) huey limiters (laughs) see y'all have a good one 